The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Day 2 has arrived. We're going to recap all the action from day 1. Of course, Commissioner Greg Sankey took the stage. Brian Kelly, new LSU head football coach. Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train, was kind of the star of the show yesterday. And Missouri's coach and former App State coach, Eli Drinkwitz, as well. What a day. What a first day in the books here at SEC Media Days. It was uh, slightly overwhelming, as it always is, (laughs) Uh, getting here, getting set up, uh, and then just kind of getting your bearings, right? We're on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame, and and it takes a little while to to figure out how you get to go, you know, basic stuff, like uh, where's the restroom? Uh, where do I go to get drinks? Uh, <laughs> everything like that. But it is a mammoth facility. If you do have a chance to come to Atlanta, you need to come by the College Football Hall of Fame. It is phenomenal. The displays, the history, everything involved here is just top-notch. You can tell that this is a state-of-the-art facility. You can tell they spent the money and uh, it's it's a bit awe-inspiring for sure. So we're going to talk a lot of day one of SEC Media Days here this morning in RP3 and company. We have some great guests lined up for you this morning. Peter Burns from the SEC Network. He's uh, one of their network hosts, also for radio, for their serious channel. He'll be joining us at 7.15, caught up with Peter yesterday. Then at 7.30... Our old friend, Lynn Scarborough, the man behind this magazine right here, if you're watching on the simulcast at home, on Stadium Network 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, the man behind the Lindy's Sports, the Lindy's Sports Report. We also carry their radio show on the fall, in uh, on Saturdays in the fall, rather. Lynn Scarborough will be joining us at 730 to talk the first day of SEC Media Days and the conference realignment. All of that. That'll be coming up at 7.30 this morning. And then at 8 o'clock, we're going to be talking with Lee Sterling from the Locked On Bets podcast, giving you those betting odds concerning the SEC. You know, Alabama looks to be the team. Georgia, you know, is going to be in the mix. But what about the other teams? What are some kind of under-the-radar bets for you? Is Kentucky, Arkansas, are those the teams that maybe you should be paying attention to? So that's our guest lineup This morning, and of course, we will hear from Lane Kiffin, Eli Drinkowitz, Commissioner Greg Sankey, and of course, LSU head coach Brian Kelly, all coming up on this edition of RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Atlanta for SEC Media Days. But we're going to start off today with some baseball. Home Run Derby was last night. 
Also, after the Home Run Derby, you get to see the first episode of The Captain, the seven-part documentary series done by ESPN on, of course, Derek Jeter, which is fascinating. We'll touch on that later on on today's show as well. But the Derby, they're in Los Angeles where, of course, they're hosting the All-Star Game. Crazy little bit of info was I didn't realize until watching it last night that this was the first home run derby held there at the Dodgers home ballpark, which was interesting. But the derby comes, and my guy, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, just doesn't have enough in the first round uh, against the two-time defending champ, Pete Alonzo. You have that matchup. You had Kyle Schwarber and Albert Pujols have to go into – they had to go to like, basically like extra innings. Uh, a hit-off, if you will, with Pujols beating Schwarber, who leads the majors – or leads the National League, rather, in home runs, the sentimental favorite – when Albert was eliminated, every all-star there in attendance that was taking part in the Derby and every all-star there that was there just watching the Derby because that becomes part of it as well. Uh, they all just came onto the field, especially the Latin players, and just kind of mobbed Albert as he took part in his last home run Derby. We talked about how did he deserve to be in there? You know, you looked at the numbers at the time. He only had six home runs. It's his last year, but... While watching it, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Um, I thought, yeah, maybe someone else deserved to be there. But Pujols is a beloved figure. You're going to be a guy that's going to be inducted into Cooperstown on the first ballot. And the impact that he had on the younger generation, particularly the fans from uh, the ballplayers from the Dominican and other Latin countries, and how they look at him as their hero, as a just legend, and you could see the genuine love and appreciation they had towards him. Now, that being said, we oh man, we got to talk about the Seattle Mariners rookie because he put on an absolute show. 81 home runs in this derby, quarterfinal rounds, semifinals, and the finals. And yet he hit 81 home runs and then didn't win the home run derby. That's the thing you got to love about this because they've tweaked the format over the years. So now you have these matchups. You have, you know, the quarterfinal matchup, then you have the semifinals and the in the finals. And they've tweaked it over the years. So he goes off. Julio Rodriguez just goes off on an absolute tear. It's 32 in the first round, follows that up by hitting 30 in the second round, and the thing about the format that I really liked that caused it to be competitive every single round was the fact that you could earn additional time. So if you hit it more than 440 feet or 450 feet, you got an extra 30 seconds of bonus time. So once your time was up, then you had additional time that you could hit more home runs. So the guys constantly were trying to hit it farther and farther and farther so they didn't slow down if you will. And Julio Rodriguez is like, I'm not slowing down. (laughs) He just kept going on a tear. On the other side of the bracket, though, was Juan Soto, who fell short of winning the home run derby a year ago, losing to Pete Alonso. This year, he kind of just barely got by, right? 
16 home runs in round one. He got roughly the same amount in the in the semifinals. He kind of just skirted by. He never, when you watched him, he never got into a real rhythm up there, except for the final round towards the very end of the final round, and he got into a bit of a rhythm to kind of close the gap before the extra time. And when he got the extra time, he only needed four home runs, and he got it. And he took down Julio Rodriguez. And despite Soto already taking part in the home run derby, he's the second youngest home run derby champion. The second youngest. If Rodriguez would have won, he would have been the youngest home run derby champion. Uh, Of course, the youngest was Juan Gonzalez for the Texas Rangers 30-plus years ago. But Juan Soto, who less than a week ago, turned down a monstrous contract extension worth more than $440 million from the Washington Nationals. And he goes out there and wins the $1 million prize that comes from winning the Home Run Derby. You know, he had to deal with the trade rumors because that ramped up once he declined the Nationals' offer. Then rumors started coming out over the weekend that he was going to be traded, or at least the Nationals were going to be listening to trade offers, rather. So he had that. His agent was right there during the kind of Q&A session with reporters earlier in the day. But he goes out there, wins the home run derby, second youngest home run derby champion, sold out Dodger Stadium crowd. Yeah, turned down that 15-year, $440 million thing. And not to worry, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five names, your guy Julio Rodriguez put on a show, 81 home runs. I do believe that ties him with what Vlad Guerrero did back in the day. Both of those finished as runner-up. But here's the thing. You'll have the opportunity for him to be able to, to win next year and do so amongst the hometown crowd as Seattle is going to be the host for Major League Baseball's All-Star Weekend next year. And, of course, he'll be the hometown favorite, and uh, he'll have the hometown crown cheering behind him. So you shouldn't be too sad. He had put on a monstrous performance, a coming-out performance, really. Uh, Everyone was watching the Home Run Derby, five names, and if they didn't know about Rodriguez before – Last night, they do so now. Dynamic, young ball player put on an absolute show. So I know you're disappointed that your guy didn't win the Derby, but, hey, uh, he still uh, did great. I mean, he was actually 11 short of beating the all-time record for the home run Derby in total runs. He'd be a little bit upset. But, like, he crushed everyone for the first two rounds by at least – 10 to 12, and then fall short in the finals. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rodriguez set the tone for his showing with 32 home runs in the first round matchup against Texas Rangers star Corey Seager, who, by the way, hit 24. (laughs) So, So Corey Seager was no slouch. He hit 24 home runs, but was eliminated in the first round because Rodriguez put on a show with 32. Then came Pete Alonso, the two time Derby champion, and he had no answer. He won the competitions in 19 and 21. Obviously, 20, uh, there was no uh, all-star game or or home run derby, rather, uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, But he could only get 23 home runs in the semifinals against Rodriguez, who hit 31. And 
amazing. And once again, Soto becomes the second youngest home run derby champion in Major League Baseball All-Star history. One day older. Just one. One day older than Juan Gonzalez back in the day. But look, Juan Soto, 23 years old. Rodriguez is less than 23. He's they're both from the Dominican. Uh, baseball's future stars are in uh, firm hands, are in good hands, so to speak. And, and it was great. You know, it, it was great just to see these guys. And it, it always matters when it comes to the Derby or when it comes to anything like this, whether it's NBA's All-Star Game or anything like that, if the guys care and if they're having fun. And you could see that last night in the Derby, in particular with, you know, uh, Rodriguez and the rest of them. They were having fun. Like, they were having a blast. King Griffey Jr. was out there shooting videos, shooting photos. By the way, three-time Derby champion and Seattle Mariners legend. They were having an absolute blast. And that's what you want to see. And that's what Major League Baseball needs to do a better job with, is finding ways to get their guys out there, their stars, putting them out front and center and having the spotlight be on them and showing the world just how fun baseball really is. That leads us to our poll question of the day. And it made me think about this. What do you enjoy watching more? Do you enjoy watching Major League Baseball's home run derby? Or do you enjoy watching the Major League Baseball all-star game? Once again, more people being scratched from the All-Star game, which is uh, not uh, totally unexpected. Um, Mike Trout's having issues with his back on the day that he announces that he's going to be the captain for uh, the United States for the World Baseball Classic. He pulls out of the All-Star game and is unable, uh, is now going on the IL. Uh, also, uh, Shohei, uh, Shohei Otani is not going to be pitching in tonight's All-Star game. He's only going to hit. He made that decision announcement yesterday. So what do you prefer to watch more? What's more fun for you? Is it the Home Run Derby or is it the actual All-Star game? And that's our poll question of the day. You can leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And right now, 80% of you say Home Run Derby. 20% say the Major League Baseball All-Star game. John Paul Cage Daddy says the Derby has a level of entertainment that you can't get in baseball at any other time. Tyler says, I would say the home run Derby. Nothing beats feeling that excitement when the player hits home runs. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. So, Ray, before we hit the timeout, I do want to tell you this fun fact is that I looked up Julio Rodriguez's birthday. He actually is 10 days younger than my brother, who is two years younger than me. He's 21. So he is 10 days to the, to the day younger than my brother, which to me is just like mind blowing. Uh, see, 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 usually I'm the one that feels old when we have these discussions. Now it's you that's going to start feeling old. See, now you have your the, the best player on your favorite team is uh, more than a few years younger than you. In fact, younger than your uh, your little brother. I, I was I was like, uh, okay, um, well, that's great. Oh, nice. And also, Ty France is in place of Mike Trout, who was from the Seattle Mariners, by the way, in the All Star Game. 
Of course, go ahead. There you go. Uh, there you go. Get that in. Get that in. Oh, so keep voting on our poll question of the day. Uh, we're going to now shift to the SEC media days. When we return here after this timeout, we're going to talk about Greg Sankey. That's right, the commissioner. He had plenty to say. We'll recap it and play some of that for you coming up next. want to thank our sponsors for making this trip to Atlanta for SEC Media Days happen, though. Borderlawn Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, Brooksville. All month, they have the power recliner in stock on their showroom floor ready to be sent home to you. Only going to cost you $699. That's right. This month, the power recliner, $699. And you can get that at Borderlawn Furniture locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. Also, want to thank Acadiana Bar and Grill, one of the best nightlife spots in Acadiana, for sponsoring us here at SEC Media Days. we got to take our first time out. When we return, we'll hear from Greg Sankey. That's next you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big, ball, beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar & Grill. Uh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to take on Seattle Mariners, who have won 14 straight. They're the hottest team in baseball. On Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Simply go register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Once again, that's four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night for the Saturday, July 30th game between the Mariners and the Astros. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, but you can only win them if you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What do you prefer, Major League Baseball home run derby or Major League Baseball's all-star game? Leave your thoughts, your comments, if you will, on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. But right now, it's time for us to start looking at what happened yesterday here in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. Greg Sankey led things off the commissioner, the man who's considered by many to be the most powerful man in college football and he touched on a slew of different topics and right on top of the list you know there's been a lot of buzz about what is the SEC going to do now that the Big Ten has decided to poach USC and UCLA away from the Pac-12 you know is the SEC going to respond and look they're still waiting on Texas and Oklahoma to join uh, much less to add anyone else. And uh, Sankey had a very clear message when he took to the podium a level below me right here inside the College Football Hall of Fame yesterday. 
And he talked about just how strong he feels the SEC is currently right now. I'm proud to say, in my view, and I think in the view of our entire membership, the Southeastern Conference is stronger now than at any other time in our history. We're poised to grow to 16 members on July 1st, 2025. This expansion keeps the SEC in contiguous states, which supports a reasonable geography among like-minded universities and keeps us confident that fan interest will continue to grow in our communities, in our region, in this country, and literally across the globe. There's no sense of urgency in our league, no panic in reaction to others' decisions. We know who we are, we are confident in our collective strength, and we are uniquely positioned to continue to provide remarkable experiences educationally and athletically, along with world-class support to student-athletes. Yeah, you, you heard it there. Strongest as it needs to be. Not going to panic, right? He, he, the message was very clear, and you started hearing rumblings about this over the weekend that he was going to come out and he was, you know, going to do his state of the SEC address and he was going to set the tone. Like, you know, they are in a position of power. They aren't going to have to go and scramble to respond to the Big Ten. And they are also going to keep their footprint connected. And, and, and that was a theme that came out of yesterday's press conference with Greg Sankey is connected. You know, while the Big Ten has in recent years added Rutgers and Maryland and now is adding USC and UCLA, and you can go coast to coast and you have those television markets, which is the driving force of this, the television revenue, the SEC wants all their, their conference to be connected, the states to be connected. So there's not going to be a flyover state, if you will, or flyover states. That's part of this as well. And that was abundantly clear as well when he spoke yesterday. He also touched on, you know, the three permanent rivals. There's been a lot of talk of once Texas and Oklahoma are added to the mix, where do they go from here? Are you still going to have divisions? How are you going to do scheduling? Are you going to go with a pod system? There's been a lot of things that have been floated out out there. And he talked, uh, spoke on about the three permanent rivals and whether or not he sees the mighty SEC expanding beyond 16 teams. The, the first question is that's under consideration, Kirk. Um, and there are limits on uh, the number of options available for three permanent opponents based upon the number of gains. games. Nine makes that more practical. If you remember, I had two points when we expanded that I wanted to be front and center. One is that we engage in blue sky thinking, just let's look at the big picture. Um, and the second is we rotate our teams through campus as frequently as possible so we don't go 12 years between visits. And, and so those, those two um, have guided us. That last one relates to the number of games, number of permanent opponents, and how many times you can move people through cleanly. And that's exactly the point of conversation. Um, embedded in my remarks is we're attentive, we're engaged in conversation. Um, the great news for the Southeastern Conference is that people call and say, hey, you're doing something really special, and they kind of hit around the edges. Um, as, I, as I went through, we know who we are. 
Um, we're, we're confident in our success. We're really looking forward to the, the expansion and being at 16 teams and don't feel pressure to just operate at a number. Uh, but we'll, we'll watch what happens around us and, and be thoughtful but be nimble. Once again, you heard the phrasing there, don't feel pressured to do anything. They feel like they're in a position of power. Now, look, college football and college athletics is changing by the minute. Uh, the NCAA transfer portal, NIL, and how that is expanded and blown up and is uh, tend to has has made things even more chaotic when it comes to college football in particular. And Sankey shared what his message was to his coaches in his conference. But as we refocus, here's what I told our coaches. It is never going to be the same. But it doesn't have to be the way that it is. We're dealing with complex problems that won't be solved by complaints, by accusations, by finger-pointing, or by offering simple solutions. What is needed now is collaboration, deep thinking about real-world solutions, and everyone participating in the conversation. Take a patient approach. Don't be rattled. Not going to be pressured to follow anyone else's lead. And they're from a position of power. That was pretty much your message. Messages, rather, from Greg Sankey. Yesterday when he took the podium here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Also, lots of rumor or questions about whether Texas and Oklahoma will join a year early. They're not scheduled to join until a few years, and Greg Sankey addressed that. That's not up to me. That's uh, about the relationship between uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and the Big 12. Uh, We are focused on the addition being effective July 1st, 2025. (laughs) So that's Sankey's way of saying that's between Oklahoma, Texas, and their lawyers to figure that out with the Big 12 come out that the Big 12 would be okay letting them leave dump out early um, obviously there'll be a fee involved paying paying uh, paying the piper so to speak to be able to leave so uh, Greg Sankey shut that down uh, he he answered a ton of questions very uh, gave very lengthy thoughtful answers his answer when it came to Texas and Oklahoma joining early was 11 seconds <laughs> So there you go. He's going to leave that in the hands of the attorneys for Oklahoma and Texas if they decide to join early or not. we got to take a time out here on RP3 and Company. When we return, we're going to hear from Brian Kelly. He was the first coach up, the first year head coach for the LSU Tigers, former longtime Notre Dame coach. That will be coming up next right here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days in downtown Atlanta, presented by Borderline Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? When I move, you move. Just like that. 
Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you can score yourself a brand new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our new text club. Simply text the word GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, and more. It's the Games Text Club. Once again, text the word GAME to 337-283-8100 to join and have an opportunity to win a brand new Apple Watch. You can find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We heard from Commissioner Greg Sankey earlier before our break and next up after that was brian kelly first year head man of the lsu tigers and he has his work cut out for him we've talked about that on the show and the tigers are one of those teams that people are struggling to kind of get a feel for get a read on if you will when it comes to predicting the upcoming season if he can figure out a way to fix that offensive line, which was, let's be honest, mediocre at best the last two years, and they only return one starter, which may be a blessing in disguise because Kelly can put his stamp on it. Can he figure out what's going to happen at quarterback? Can they fix the defense, in particular the back end, which is going to be filled with inexperienced DBs? Lots of question marks around the LSU program, and Just talking to people here yesterday, it ranged from this is a team that they feel like is going to struggle to win six games to others feeling like they could win eight or nine. So you really don't know what you're going to get out of LSU this coming year. Lots of question marks surrounding the Tigers. But Brian Kelly did set an impressive tone for his first SEC media days. Remember, he hasn't had to deal with a conference media day circus uh, in more than 12 years because <laughs> Notre Dame wasn't in conference. You didn't have to worry about media days. And he stated that what impressed me more than anything, and I wrote about this for a blog at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com, is he, he was asked about building trust with his players, with these new guys that don't know him, you know, don't know him from Adam, guys that he didn't recruit. And he had some poignant things to say about building trust. And and this is what he kind of basically let off his time up at the podium with yesterday. Well, I think trust is a two-way street, you know. You know, they're earning my trust, too. You know, I think, you know, it works both ways. I, first of all, trust is about saying something and, and backing it up. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think continuing uh, that relationship. You know, we're, 
we're working on that relationship every day through deeds, um, through things that we put in front of them uh, and say that we're going to do for them and, and backing it up. And then asking them to do some things for us and, and, and seeing that they back it up. I think in all three of those cases, we, we're building trust. As you know, Keishon was just awarded number seven, which we consider, you know, a, a program number that, that highlights the very best player, in particular from the state of Louisiana. And, and that has to happen when, when trust has been formed. Miles has been one of our best leaders in our program. John Emery's done an incredible job of bringing himself back into our program. So I think you brought up three guys that have earned a lot of trust, and, and we're trusting them. He mentions Keyshawn Butte, of course, the former Westgate High star right down the road from us, who has been a sensational wide receiver for LSU. His season was cut short last year due to injury, but uh, all expectations are he could be a first-round pick after this coming season, and he was awarded, of course, uh, the number seven jersey, which means a ton to the purple and gold faithful. You notice he mentioned Miles Brennan. Now, they have not come out and said anything about who's going to be the starting quarterback, right? And I know a lot of fans out there have opinions about who the starting quarterback could be. Should it be Garrett Nussmeyer? Uh, should it be Walker Howard? Just go ahead and start building with either one of the two young guys. Should it be Miles Brennan, the veteran who, by the way, Brian Kelly convinced to come out of the transfer portal to come back to LSU for one more year? Okay, Or is it the young man that they brought in, the NCAA transfer portal from Arizona State? So quarterback competition is going to be a big deal. And, and someone brought up yesterday – inside the College Football Hall of Fame to him was, hey, when you took over at Notre Dame, you took over with having to revamp the offensive line and new quarterbacks. And here you are at LSU, and you're taking over a team that has needs a offensive line to be revamped, and guess what? It's going to have a new starting quarterback because Max Johnson, obviously, left. He's transferred out. So he, he talked, yeah, there's some similarities there, but he likes his situation at LSU a little bit better with the quarterback situation in particular well now that you put it that way I hope not you know certainly we have four quarterbacks um, and the spring really was for us to lay down our offense we weren't really going to gear it towards any particular skill set so I, I think I feel much better about the depth in the quarterback situation Dane was really the only quarterback that had any experience we, we were young and inexperienced at that position I think the depth at the quarterback position is much depth much different. Jaden and, and uh, certainly Miles bring us obviously starting experience. Uh, Garrett, obviously, for me, is, a, is an exciting quarterback. Walker's a, a true freshman, but there's, there's great depth there. The offensive line is, is clearly an area that, that we need to um, keep our eye on, but I think we've, we've added you know, some, some really good transfers, uh, and we think we've, we've got some young men that have developed. I would say that right now I stand in front of you that there are similar situations. Uh, I like the depth and the opportunity to uh, be much better than, than 2010. So he likes his situation far better, far more now than he did when he took over Notre Dame. I still say this, and some people may differ. I think it's going to be Miles Brennan. I, I, I just do now. Do I think 
Miles is going to be the guy throughout the season? Probably not because you don't know if Brennan can stay healthy. I just don't. I think he likes the kid from Arizona State, but he also convinced Garrett Nussmeyer to stay. And Walker Howard is the future. I don't think that they feel like he's ready. So it's really going to be a three-horse race, so to speak, there between them. I just think they probably like Miles because he's been in the program so long and that he can be the bridge guy, that he can be your bridge quarterback. I could be wrong on that, but that's, I don't know, that, that's the feeling I get when it comes to that. Now, once again, the other guys could beat him out during fall camp and just put on a dazzling show and convince Kelly and the coaching staff that the job needs to be theirs. Big topic of discussion, of course, has been NIL, money, college athletics. It's dominated our conversation when it comes to talking about athletics for the better part of the last year, and it's probably going to do so for the next few years. And Kelly touched on that as well in his press conference yesterday on day one of the SEC Media Days, by touching on it says, look, it really doesn't matter how much funds they have in the collective. They'll get the job done no matter what. First of all, I don't know that we don't have as many funds. Nobody has given me you know, any kind of documentation that we're behind. I feel very comfortable, quite honestly, as I stand here you know, talking to you, that you know, what we're doing relative to NIL is as competitive uh, as anybody else. I don't feel like we're being outbid uh, by anybody. I don't think that's the place of NIL anyway. So if we were being outbid, then we're going to be outbid if we have $50 million in our collective. I don't feel hamstrung by that. I want to continue to educate uh, with NIL. I want to be able to use the resources wisely to help promote name, image, and likeness and, and, and have that available uh, for our student-athletes when, when, when the time comes. So he doesn't feel that they're going to be handcuffed at all with particular money. And look, this all generates because of how much money people believe Texas A&M has used to get guys to come there because of name, image, and likeness. I don't think that's really an issue at LSU. I just don't. I, 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 don't, I don't buy that. I just don't. And I just look at it a little bit differently. And, you know, Kelly's confident as well. But he also made the report, like, look, we could have 15. We could have $50 million dollars. There's going to be somebody that's going to outbid us. I mean, and if that's the world that we're living in, then you're going to lose guys. LSU's going to lose guys. Alabama's going to lose guys. A&M's going to lose guys. Georgia, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose guys because someone's going to be able to pay a high school kid more money than you can. Plain and simple. Every program's going to experience this. This is not just going to be an LSU problem whatsoever. Challenging conference, the SEC is. It's dominated college football. It dominates college baseball, but it really dominates college football, and that's the engine that drives college athletics is football. And, you know, Kelly was asked about the challenges when it comes to coaching in the Southeastern Conference, and in particular coaching at a program like LSU. 
the challenges of being in the greatest conference in college football, as well as being at LSU, is um, I've been asked many times why, and I can tell you that you know certainly that shared vision of our administration, the great opportunity to restore championship-level football to LSU, and then the SEC itself, and being part of this this great conference. Look, I think uh, there's been a lot of people that have spoke on why they think Brian Kelly took the job. Obviously, I think the money's good. But I also think Brian Kelly has proven his challenge himself. He went from a group of five coach where he proved that he could win at that level and win well and win consistently. That got him the job at Notre Dame, and he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Yes, he does not have a national title on the resume, but he still won plenty of games and had them in the mix seemingly year after year. He views this as coming to LSU. He knows what the talent level is here in the state when it comes to recruiting. He knows what the brand is. He's seen guys like Ed Orgeron and Les Miles win national titles. And if you're Brian Kelly, you got to think, I'm a lot smarter than those guys. And I've had to recruit with the restrictions of being in Notre Dame. I get to come to LSU. I get to get paid a lot of money. I get to recruit the South and recruit nationwide, and I don't have the academic requirements. And the last two coaches, well, heck, the last three coaches have all won national titles. Why can't I? Why can't I? And Kelly has his work cut out for him because of the roster and how the program was put on a downward turn under Ed Orge around the last two years. But if LSU fans are patient, and I know that's a big question. <laughs> that's a lot to ask for the purple and gold out there listening. If you're patient, he can have you back to prominence. Whether that's a national championship, I don't know. But he's a good coach. He's a smart coach. And he's won everywhere. Why can't he win at LSU? we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up our number one of our coverage here from Radio Row at SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Portalon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. What do you enjoy watching more? Major League Baseball's home run derby or the Major League Baseball All-Star game right now. 71% of you say the derby, which Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals won last night. 29% of you say the All-Star game. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. Our number one is in the books here as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. we got more coming up. Peter Burns from SEC Network is going to join us. Lynn Scarborough is going to join us next hour. That's all coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. SEC. 
The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live here from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days in downtown Atlanta. Hour number one in the books, hour number two. If you thought the first hour was good, second hour is going to be even better. Lynn Scarborough, a man who's been covering college football for more than a generation, and the man behind this magazine right here that I have on the table, the Lindy's Sports Report. He'll be joining us in half an hour. He'll react to what he heard from Greg Sankey yesterday and give his thoughts on realignment, on what's going on in college football, if it will ever be the same. And also look ahead of some teams that are maybe under the radar that we're not talking enough about. That'll be coming up in a half an hour. In about 20 minutes from right now, or less than 20 minutes from right now, we caught up with Peter Burns yesterday. He's the SEC Network in-studio anchor. He's on-site, obviously, for their coverage to talk about media days. He is a Baton Rouge native, and uh, a man we found out yesterday enjoys uh, spending a little time in Lake Charles there at uh, the casinos, and we'll share that conversation with you coming up this hour. Of course, we have our poll question of the day And it's about Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. What do you prefer? I watched the Home Run Derby last night. I love watching the Home Run Derby. I thought the young man, Rodriguez, from the Seattle Mariners, the rookie, deserved to win. But look, this is how it works when it comes to the Derby. You can hit 81 home runs, which he did, and still finish as (laughs) runner-up. Because that's just how it is. I do like the... Changes they've made over the years. I like the fact that you can earn bonus time, right? If you hit a home run a certain distance, you can earn additional time to be tacked on, uh, bonus time to even add to your total. So I like that. I like how it's formatted, that it's a bracket style and everything like that. Uh, But Juan Soto is your home run derby champion. The second, second youngest derby champion ever, one day older. Then Juan Long Gone Gonzalez back in the day for the Texas Rangers, the great Rangers slugger, was one day younger when he won the home run derby nearly 30 years ago. So Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals edges Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. And it was a great night to watch the young guns up there. Ronald Acuna Jr., Rodriguez, Soto, and so and, and, and so much. It was great seeing all the young guys, the young guns, if you will, of Major League Baseball taking, uh, getting on that stage and having a blast. And, and I mentioned this in hour number one, and I'll mention it again. That's important. That's what Major League Baseball needs to capture. That's what they need to capitalize on is what happened last night. All these guys are hanging out, having a great time. King Griffey Jr., 
uh, one of the greatest players of all time, one of the, the, the best swing I've ever seen in person. He was there filming it, right? They were out there just having a great time, hugging each other, congratulating each other. That needs to be the focus. That's what should happen with Major League Baseball. It was a great event. You got to put your stars up front. Here they are. Here's our guys. Now, could I have done without, you know, the DJ spinning records, you know, at second base and uh, the pyro during the introductions and the laser show and all that? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I was like, come on, can we just get this started? But I'm also, you know, about to be 44 years old, so not really the target demo, so to speak. But all that said, it was the right tone for Major League Baseball. And it was a lot of fun. And that led me to thinking, okay, do I myself enjoy watching the Home Run Derby more than I do the actual All-Star Game? I used to love watching the All-Star Game when I was a kid. It was loved everything about the All-Star Weekend. Watch the Derby, of course, and you go out in your backyard and you try to be the Derby champion yourself. And then watch the All-Star Game because, you know, back then you didn't have, you know, 1,872 games on television. So... A lot of times the All-Star Game was your opportunity to be able to watch stars from other teams. So I remember loving watching the All-Star Game as a kid, like getting to watch Don Manley or Tony Gwynn or, you know, Ryan Sandberg or whoever else it might be, Cal Ripken. When I was a kid, getting to watch those guys, Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Robin Yount, and watching them because you didn't get to watch them all the time. This is before interleague play. This is before, you know, all the games on television. But has the All-Star Game lost its luster a little bit? And I find myself making sure to watch the Derby more than I do the All-Star Game. And I'll still watch the All-Star Game tonight. You can count on that. But that led me to think, what about you? What do you like? What do you prefer? What do you enjoy watching when it comes to Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend? That's our poll question of the day. And right now, overwhelmingly... 73% of you say the home run derby is what you prefer. 27% say the all-star game. So keep those votes coming for our poll question of the day. Keep continuing leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, we will update it throughout today's show. Once again, the season will resume on Thursday for all you diehard Astro fans. And not to worry, we got you covered Yankees doubleheader. First game of that will be broadcast live right here on the game on Thursday. Then we'll have the final edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh from SEC Media Days that afternoon. And then the second game of that doubleheader will be on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. So, Derby last night, all-star game tonight, and then the season will resume on Thursday. But here we are. We're in Atlanta, and we're not here to talk about the Braves. We're here to talk about SEC Media Days. Yesterday, Greg Sankey took the stage. Brian Kelly took the stage. And so did the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin. And we'll get to what he had to say later on in today's show. In hour number three, we're going to recap what Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head coach, had to say. He kind of stole the show a little bit, as he typically does with these things. And we'll even hear from Eli Drinkowitz. He, the Missouri head football coach. That was your lineup yesterday. Today's lineup a little bit differently. There's going to be a bit more buzz in the building today for day two because, well, 
I'll let you figure out why. Oh, that's right. Saban and company. That's right. Alabama will lead things off today. His press conferences are always entertaining. Not like what Lane brings to the table, but a different form of entertainment. We'll also have the Mad Pirate Mike Leach in Mississippi State will be going on the podium today as well, as will Vanderbilt. So, jam-packed lineup here today at SEC Media Days. But while we're, you know, talking about the most powerful conference in college football, there is some other news that that needs to be discussed. And some reports came out yesterday that I found immensely interesting. There had been talks behind the scenes of a merger, if you will, between the Big 12 Conference and the Pac-12 Conference. Now, we also know that the Big 12 was pursuing poaching Arizona, Arizona State, Utah and Colorado. They were looking at poaching four teams and even had explored maybe Oregon and Washington. So up to six teams to join them in the Big 12. And it makes a lot of sense from the Big 12's perspective because that increases your footprint and you already have BYU that's joining and you have Houston. So you've kind of went out and been aggressive in filling your coffers, so to speak, with Oklahoma and Texas set to depart. Now, is BYU, is Houston, are they as good as, is UCF, are they as good as the teams leaving? Of course not. But I credit the Big 12 for saying, you know what, we're tired of being poached. We're tired of being picked, our carcass to be picked off, so to speak. We're going to be aggressive here. And they've been trying to try to have conversations of taking those teams from the Pac-12, now that USC and UCLA are leaving, they're, they're trying to be aggressive and trying to create themselves to improve their conference. At the same time, we've heard reports of coming out of a possible merger between the two, that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 would simply merge into one big super conference, and that would be their way of survival with the Big 10 and the SEC apparently in an arms race. Well... Dennis Dodd and others reported on this yesterday, or last night, rather. Sources say that within the last two hours, the Big 12 conference told the Pac-12 it is no longer interested in a full-on merger. The Big 12 made the decision that they don't want to merge with the Pac-12 anymore. Pete Thamel reported it first. The door remains open for the Big 12 to invite individual Pac-12 teams. So instead of merging the two conferences completely together, the Big 12 has decided to pull back and go, "Mm." and now they just want to cherry-pick the Pac-12 conference. So that's interesting. That has nothing to do with what we're doing here. It's not an SEC-related thing, but it's interesting concerning college football and the state of college football that the Big 12 is opting not to, you know, Put those talks of merging with the Pac-12 on hold, and instead, they're going to sit back and try to invite as many teams as they can to come to their party. I think they're going to be aggressive with Arizona, Arizona State. It makes a lot of sense to be in those markets. It also makes a lot of sense to go get Utah and Colorado. And then you have BYU and everything, so then you're going to have this this huge conference, and then you got poor West Virginia way over there, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> All by itself, which, you know, doesn't make any sense. West Virginia should be in the ACC or the SEC. It's got no business being in the Big 12, but I digress. 
could they continue being more aggressive and going after Oregon, going after Washington. So we'll see what happens there. But the Big 12 is going to take the stance of being aggressive instead of discussing doing a merger, which I found absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating that that's the decision that they're going to make. we got to take a timeout. want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, of course, Bordelon Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. They are the home of the Power Recliner $6.99. That's all that you'll pay this month when you go visit Bordelon's Furniture. Power Recliner $6.99. They're also your lift chair superstore and your local Tempur-Pedic dealer. So go check out our friends over at Borderline Furniture, as well as Acadiana Bar and Grill. Both of them are serving as sponsors for RP3 and Company to be able to broadcast right here from lovely Atlanta inside the College Football Hall of Fame on Radio Row for SEC Media Days. When we return here on the program, we caught up yesterday with the man who is the SEC Network studio host, Peter Burns, the Baton Rouge native Caught up with him yesterday. We're going to play that conversation with you for you next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Portalon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame. For, uh, for SEC Media Days, and we're joined now by the man who is the SEC Network studio anchor. He's also on Radio Sirius XM host. He's a Cajun Texan, and he says in his Twitter profile he's the worst bunker player in history. Plus, he also is fond of Lake Charles and what they have to offer, which is good for our listeners. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I have given money to the tax, uh, uh, <laughs> the businesses there in Lake Charles many times, and I've got to update it with the world's worst mustache as well, too. So. <laughs> I think I'm going to take the bunker player, uh, bunker part out and put world's worst mustache in. But we're talking with Peter Burns of ESPN, of course, on ESPN's SEC Network. All right, brother, let's start there. Yeah. Um, give me the story. Why, uh, why the stash? You're pulling it off nicely, but, uh, but what's the what's the uh, idea behind it? That's awfully kind of you. We, you know, during the off season, we got a chance to watch Top Gun, and I was thinking, oh, yes. I was like, you know what? Coming into this week, there's so many great coaches. And I was like, what would their call signs be? You know, like when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, Maverick and Goose and all that stuff. So we had some fun along those lines. But, you know, it's this, you know, we, it feels like this has been such a heavy off season this year about, you know, different storylines with NIL and transfer portal and conference realignment that I'm like, all right, let's just finally have some fun and talk some football. So, I mean, I'm fired up. I'm a diehard LSU fan, born and raised. So, you know, seeing Brian Kelly here at SEC Media Days has been fantastic. And I it couldn't be more excited about the future for Tiger football right now. Let me ask you this. You know, realignment is just dominating. And it's been dominating for the last, what, 10 years? Uh, <laughs> 100 years. I mean, it, they, they, they had 30 teams in, in the Southern Conference at one point, like turn of the century. So yes. we've seen it like that. It, there was a time where Tulane and Georgia Tech were members of the SEC. Yeah. Um, the SEC, though, and definitely what I heard from Sankey on Monday was 
I don't think they're going to have a knee-jerk reaction here to USC and UCLA joining the Big yeah. Ten, but it does feel like there's an arms race, right? And it feels like we're going towards super conferences. A yeah. lot of people feel that way. What about you? Yeah, um, we already have them. It's called the SEC. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, think about it, right? You win 12 of the last 16 uh, uh, national championships. This is the super conference that everybody's trying to build upon to get to that point. And I think that's why it's so imperative that the Big Ten makes moves like this because they realize, listen, outside of Ohio State, what have they had? I mean, they had, a, they had Michigan that won a national championship in 1997, but nobody has had the depth and the amount of quality teams that the SEC has had. And, and sure. you know, Sankey came on our show this morning and talked about it going, we're in the position of power, right? Like, we don't have to, quote, unquote, recruit. We can select, and we can be very, you know, choosy about who we go ahead and select. And, and that's the benefit of this conference right here, right now, that while everybody's running around, we're chicken little, what are we going to do, what are we going to be doing here? The SEC could be like, take a deep breath. What do we want to make a move? And let's make sure we make the right move. And part of that right here may not be to make a move at all. And I don't. I, I would be surprised if there's any more expansion, especially here in the SEC. Right. I think once you add Texas and Oklahoma, I, I don't know who else adds that much more to the brand that you need under this umbrella. Let's talk about the conference this year. Um, I've always long stated – Saban does some of his best coaching following a humbling defeat. Sure. That's or a, a stunning defeat. Astute point. And he seems to, to be extra motivated. Do you expect, especially with Young and Anderson back in the fold, is it is it going to be Alabama? Is, is that going to be the bar yet again this year? Yeah, it should be Alabama and everybody else. I mean, when you're bringing back the Heisman Trophy winner and, and then Dallas Turner on the other side of Will Anderson, they're going to be fantastic. But I think what I look at it, too, is I don't know how many other teams are going to be able to match up with that amount of talent each and every week, right? I mean, the SEC West is going to be murderer's row once again, but I don't know who that third best team is. I think it's clearly Alabama. I think Georgia, as much as they lost, is still pretty good. Yeah. But I'll ask you that question because I, I sure as hell don't know that answer. Who's the third best team in this conference this year? Is it spo- I mean, it feels like it's supposed to be A and M, right? Uh, on recruiting, you know, on, on recruiting rankings. But honestly, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think they're a year away. I, it could damn well be Mississippi State. It could be Ole Miss. It could be, if, if LSU. All of a sudden, finds the quarterback situation and they take off. I mean, stranger things have happened. So it's. I think this is going to be one of the most NFL-like seasons we've ever had in the SEC. Meaning that I think everybody kind of beats up each other in the middle, and you're still going to have Alabama in the West and Georgia in the East. Wrapping up our conversation with Peter Burns of ESPN's SEC Network studio anchor. All right, uh, give me a. You know, it's so unpredictable. We have question marks. Give me a guy or two that are going to be the best quarterbacks not named Bryce Young? Uh, not that Bryce Young, Will Levis, to me, is, is going to be fantastic. I, I, I really like what he's been able to bring in Lexington, and then now he's got an opportunity. They don't have uh, Wandale Robinson who took off, but the amount of tight ends they have, it's going to remind me a lot of Georgia football, the way they use him. I think he'll be solid. And I, I don't sleep on Will Rogers over at Mississippi State. Go back and look at what quarterbacks have done in the third year of production underneath Mike Leach offenses at back at Lubbock in Texas Tech. Same thing at Pullman in Washington State. This is going to be his third season at Mississippi State, and I'll tell you what, they're going to shock some people. I think that's going to be kind of the, t- the team that's really under the radar. And Will Rogers, who's not even here this week, is going to go even further under the radar. But he ultimately, I think, ends up being maybe right behind uh, Bryce Young as the best quarterback in this, in this conference. Peter. Thank you, sir. Busy, brother. Thank give you me, for give me some time, of that man. Lake Charles money back. That's all I want. <laughs> it's, it's Peter Burns, ESPN.
SEC Network studio anchor. He's also ESPN Radio Sirius XM host and Baton Rouge native. And a man who, uh, well, would like to win some of his money back over there in Lake Charles, which is totally understandable. We appreciate Peter for making the time. We'll take a timeout when we return more from Radio Row here at SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to RP3 and Company. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. It's that easy. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand-new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand-new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand-new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, and much more. It's the Games Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row here at SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. And now we're going to welcome on a man who knows he's forgotten more about college football than I have ever learned in my entire life. It's the man behind the Lindy's Football Report. Mr. Lynn Scarborough joins us. Mr. Lynn, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my good friend? Good morning. Great. Always good to be here. This is sort of the kickoff of the season for most people. Ours kicks off a little early, as you know. Uh, the magazine that we have out uh, actually was put together the first week of May, which is more of a challenge this year than most with the national image likeness. In uh, the NCAA transfer portal. Yes. Yeah, right. And, you know, as a journalism guy, and you're right, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm a journalism graduate, we take great pride uh, in having accurate information. We're, we're attractive magazine. We're the most thorough that's out there. we got the most pages. But I know that we put stuff out that was wrong, and that really <laughs> bugs me the wrong way. I can imagine. Because with the NIL and the, and the transfer portal, uh, you know, you don't know. We pushed back a week from we, – we actually printed uh, the Southeastern edition the, the, after the first full week of May because the cutoff date for guys being able to say they're going to transfer – was May the 1st. Right. So at least we didn't, at least we knew if guys were going to stay on their team and not transfer. But they didn't say when they were going to change to what <laughs> team. And so, I mean, the, in fact, like two days after we, the SEC, the Southeastern magazine with the press, we had a major change, and I don't remember who it was. And we've had, I mean, we've had in the last few weeks uh, players that say they're going to go to such and such a school. And there'll probably be some more changes before, between it's now and. It's just the world we live in now, right, where it's just everyone can go wherever they want. Do you believe, as someone who's covered this sport as long as you have and a respected journalist, do you believe the NCAA is equipped to handle this and to make sure that the integrity of the sport is intact? Probably not. The, uh, I think it was really interesting what the commissioner had to say yesterday in his opening remarks. Um, a lot of it 
was about the NIL and talking about those challenges, the fact that they're so concerned about how are they going to monitor it, that they don't want to do anything. And he listed half a dozen things that were concerns of theirs in doing this. Um, you know, make sure that the guys don't do anything that will get them in uh, uh, jeopardy as far legally, that right. will get them in jeopardy as far as their uh, eligibility goes, uh, that are things that are enforceable, that are things that one of the problems he pointed out was that there are so many states involved, and every state has different state laws. Yes. And so you're looking at, you know, we've got uh, 11 SEC states. Well, I don't know this, but, but every state's probably got laws that are a little bit different in the way they do contracts and the way that they uh, approach amateur athletics. And so you've got to stay within the rules that the NCAA set out. You've got to be consistent with the SEC. You've got to be consistent with the laws in your individual state. All those aren't the same. And then you've got the, the basic human, uh, human nature problem of a quarterback goes to Texas and gets millions of dollars and the left tackle that's going to block for him and save his life probably doesn't. Correct. And so, you know, you just got so many different things here. I really think that what they, what they did, uh, of course, I'm, I'm old and a traditionalist, so anybody that knows me knows that. But I think they might have moved too quickly, um, just like we've done with a lot of things, including the transfer portal. Including a lot of a lot of things, uh, instant replays and the uh, targeting and right. these things. They make the rules and they sound like they're good, and but then you say the devil's in the details. Correct. You know, and so how are you going to apply these equally? How's it going to be fair? Um, and 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 a lot of times it hadn't been, and uh, you know I, there is a uh, I forget the player. There's a player that will be playing his fourth college basketball season this year. And he's going to be on his fourth team. It's it's and it's insane. It's and, it's absolutely in insane when it comes to that, and when it comes to how everything is all over the place and everything like that. Let me ask you this: What else stood out to you about what Commissioner uh, Greg Sankey had to say when he took the podium on Monday? Okay, um, it's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, and yes, it is. And he exuded confidence to me without arrogance. Uh, several things he said from the meetings in Destin that I thought were interesting said the SEC is not working under any time frame and they're not working in any kind of reactive way. Uh, said we're not going to do anything because we've got to do it by a particular time and we're not going to do it because somebody else did it first. And nobody else can do that right. because the SEC has been in the leadership position on this type of thing for the last 10 or 15 years so that when you're the, when you're the big guy when you're the guy that, that uh, uses foresight and vision and you make moves and then you see other people, the other conferences, the Big Ten, Edge, UCLA, and Southern Cal, and the Big 12 adds four teams after the two of them go to the SEC. And uh, the SEC has been the lead dog. And I think that he understands. He actually said, you know, we know who we are and where we are. And we don't have to feel pressured. And that's a good thing. Um, that he that he expressed that kind of confidence. Does that make you think then? Because a lot of people believe that they're not going to rush to answer to respond to the Big Ten poaching USC and UCLA from the Pac-10 or Pac-12. That they're not going to do that. They're going to sit back and wait, just like they did when Oklahoma and Texas approached them and said, "Hey, we'd be really interested in joining your conference." Do you feel like that's going to be the move behind the scenes? Probably so. I I can't see the SEC, nor should they. Uh, being reactive 
and do, they've taken the leadership role and they, right. ought to, they ought to stay there. And a good thing that he said that really strikes me well is that they're only adding teams from contiguous states. You'll remember being in Louisiana when the University of Idaho was in the same league with teams in Weston and Monroe. What kind of sense is that? Don't you know there's a lot of excitement out there in that UCLA fan base just can't wait till Rutgers comes to Los Angeles (laughs) to play? Or Maryland. I know those Southern Cal people are excited about traveling all the way to Maryland and then dropping off halfway across the country to Nebraska. It just, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why people almost in Pennsylvania and West Virginia are going to go to go all the way to Lubbock, Texas, uh, which you can't get there from here. I still don't uh, understand why West Virginia is not in the SEC. That's a discussion for another day. It just exactly. seems like it, it makes, and, and look, it may end up that way. What do you make of the Big 12, who has been poached numerous times, right? You've had Oklahoma, Texas leave in recent years, and then before then it was Missouri and A&M and Nebraska and Colorado all leaving. They've been poached. They've been the big yeah. one of the, the conferences that have been poached. Right. Them taking the aggressive approach and saying, you know what, we're done with that. Let's go and try to get some of these teams from the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Well, I like the fact that they're bringing in uh, – my, my memory is that they're bringing in – is it Cincinnati, Central Florida, Houston, and Brigham Young? Correct. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So they brought in three big markets, Orlando, Cincinnati, and mm-hmm. Houston. That's correct. Okay. And Brigham Young, them, and Notre Dame have been the two big independents. And BYU is a national brand. And BYU is a national brand. And brings in Salt Lake City. Correct. So I, I like I like the brands they're bringing in to give them strength. They're not as strong as Texas and Oklahoma, no, of course. of course not. But, but you know, that's the best that they could do. And, and they brought in four solid programs. Hey, Cincinnati played for the national championship this year. I mean, Central Florida still claims they won one. <laughs> uh, you know, so and, and Houston, obviously, Houston's done well. And, and BYU's got the name. Now, they're not all contiguous states. Correct. But it's, but it's not as absurd as uh, Miami and Syracuse. No. Uh, it's not as crazy as uh, Maryland and UCLA. No. You know, so at least it makes, it makes more sense than that. Um, they're going to have to be reactive because the two big guys, what I'm wondering is going to happen is uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference because if they were smart, they'd go after Notre Dame. All the discussion is about Notre Dame maybe going into the Big Ten, and, and geographically that makes sense. However, Notre Dame has been quasi-ACC for a number of years. Yeah, because of all other sports they play in the That's ACC. That's exactly right. And, and then during the pandemic, they played the one season, and they even played football. for the conference championship. So if I'm the ACC, nobody's asked my opinion. It'd be the first time when they do. But I would contact Notre Dame, and I'd give them a deal they couldn't refuse. I would get, I'd get Notre Dame into ACC. And, and instead of them sitting there saying Clemson and uh, Florida State and uh, Miami are going to try to leave, why not bring Notre Dame in and make it be attractive so that they would stay and then bring in a couple of other schools. Go to West Virginia and say, yeah. do you want to keep going to Lubbock, Texas, or do you want to go uh, over to North Carolina? Do you and, go- and they could play the backyard brawl as a conference That's game exactly again. right. See, West, West Virginia, and I know SEC would make sense. I got some good friends that are West Virginia graduates that were really hacked off. When, when we didn't bring in we SEC, right. when the SEC did not bring in West Virginia, but if I was the Big Twelve, if I was the ACC, I'd go after Notre Dame and West Virginia, and that's the one t- away from the Big Twelve. But the Big Twelve could get somebody else that's more logical than, for them for travel purposes. Right for as travel well. purposes. So absolutely, that's what I would do if I was the ACC. Uh, lock up Notre Dame so that the Big the Big Ten can't get them. 
We're talking with the man behind the Lindy's Football Report. Lynn Scarborough joins us here on RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. All right, let's shift our focus back to strictly the SEC. We know Alabama's going to be in the mix. We know Georgia, even though they lost a ton to the NFL draft, they're going to be in the mix. At least we, we think they are. Give me a couple of teams that are a bit surprising that may be, I don't know, under the radar that people aren't talking enough about that maybe we should. My first one will be Kentucky. Uh, the, the East is not as strong as the West. I mean, so that's, that's to me, that's a, that's a given. Um, I really like Kentucky for several reasons. Some are on the field. I like their quarterback situation. They got an outstanding running back. Um, I like their schedule. You know, we talk about when we make our picks, it, several factors. Um, you're looking at, the, at who they got returning and all. But you, right. got, the, you got their schedule. Uh, look the time that Mississippi State played for the SEC championship. Uh, look for the time that one of the times that Arkansas, well, Missouri. Uh, they did not have a schedule that was that was that difficult uh, when when they played in the when they played in those games. Kentucky schedule in the West they don't play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, or Arkansas. Now those five you take LSU, uh, LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. Are, are your three traditional powers. Right. All right, they don't play any of them. They don't play Texas A&M, who's up and coming, has had the great recruiting class. Right. All right, so they don't play those four. They play the two Mississippi schools, again, who both are pretty good teams. One of them's at home. In the East, they do, they do play at Florida, and they do play at Tennessee. So those are, those are tough to, to be able to win. But personnel-wise... Uh, in fact, I think they beat they – sh- well, they should have beaten Tennessee last year. They lost they should them. Have, yep. But they, be- they beat Florida, and they've beaten Tennessee two or three times lately. Um, and their four non-conference games are two MAC teams, one of them that didn't win but three ball games, Youngstown State. And Louisville is their power five out of conference, okay. which also is an in-state rivalry. Correct. But they're playing them in Kentucky, and Kentucky's better than them. And then the intangible. Stoops has those guys thinking they can win. They've won nine games a couple of times now, and they've beaten. They've gotten the onus off their back off beating Florida. They got their onus off the back off of beating Tennessee. I don't think they'll beat Georgia, but and they they may lose several of those games. But I could see ten, I could see Kentucky winning nine or ten ball games and being the runner up to Georgia in the if, Eastern Division if they figure out quarterback. If they, if they, if their quarterback situation is solid, that's right. I want to ask you about Billy Napier in Florida because okay. we know him extremely well from his time in right. Lafayette. Right. What he was able to do with that program, turning it around quickly. What's his biggest challenge in Gainesville? Chasing Georgia, number one. Um, Florida State possibly coming back. I'm thinking about their big rivals for what the right. what the fan base is going to say. And then he lost a lot of people. You know, when he they lost some to graduation, but when he came on. They had a number of players that transferred, and so and his recruiting class was was not a classically good uh, Florida recruiting class. Correct. So I, not the first one. Now he's building on it's that. It's better, for the next right? One, it's yeah. better. But I think a real p- a problem could be patience of the Florida fan base because they need to give him a honeymoon period, and and they got to be patient on that. You're not going to come in, you know, for several years. Florida Florida people that are you know our age. I'm older than you, but but people that are. You know, only been doing it for a while. They remember Steve Spurrier, and they remember Urban Meyer, and they remember when they were winning championships. And they haven't been a championship contender in a while. It's been a while. It's been and, a while. And so I think their impatience could be part of it. 
they um they, they need to give him time because he's a good coach. He's a good coach. He just needs but, the time. They need, need to give him time. Before I let you go, sure. uh, Mr. Lynn, um, obviously uh, in the fall, Saturday mornings, your guys' football report, uh, report, your weekly radio show we carry, been doing that for years. Um, I know it's exciting, and obviously now we're going to be broadcasting that not only in Lafayette, which we've done for years, but now in Lake Charles. Yeah, we, and we thank you all so much for that. The uh, one reason that I come to this is there are, in this room where we are, you know, there are a dozen or more stations that are affiliates of our radio network. This is our 10th season, um, and that's a, that's a real blessing. It, yeah. it, hey, in today's industry, where, where people go out of business and formats change, and uh, we've grown from our first year 10 years ago, we had 13 stations. We had over 100 stations in uh, 14 states last year. Wow. And we're really blessed with it, and we appreciate so much. We, we don't take for granted the fact that we're in these audiences. And, and I will uh, I'll encourage anybody that's in our audience right now, uh, hey, tell the state, tell these stations thanks for <laughs> for carrying our show, and and give some give some patronage to their advertisers, because if they don't if they don't have an advertising base out there, you're not gonna be able to keep up with sports the way that you can through these stations. So uh, so tell these folks, tell the advertisers thanks, and uh, if you hadn't got a Lindy's magazine, go get one. Uh, my grandchildren need socks, <laughs> and uh, and y'all need to get some good information about uh, football. Mr. Lynn, always brother, thank oh, yeah, you so much. Appreciate that, the time. Thanks a lot. Look forward to it every year. We got to take a timeout. More from Radio Row here at SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. This is RP3 and Company, and you're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big, bald, beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. Or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Oh, Watched his TV specials. You listen to his podcast now. You can see comedian Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th. And you can do so with a simple text message. To score tickets, simply join the Games Text Club by texting the word BERT, B-E-R-T, to 337-283-8100. That's BERT, to 337-283-8100. Once you become a member, you're going to be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of the Games Text Club. Hey, now, get your laugh on. Everyone likes to do that. Oh, SEC Media Days, number two. I told y'all earlier on today's show that there would be a bit of a buzz in the building, that you, it'd be some uh, juice, if you will, because it's Alabama Day. <laughs> sure enough, it is. There's commotion. You got Alabama players uh, walking around, being interviewed before uh, they get on stage or before Nick Saban gets on stage in particular. So... Tons of activity going around right now. And every time the Crimson Tide come on Radio Row, there is a bit of a buzz commotion about there for media days. Of course, uh, I went ahead and put on the sport coat. I felt like I needed to. 
during that interview that we had with Lynn Scarborough that we taped yesterday that we shared with you just now um, because Mr. Suited and Booted showed up, Matt Miguez, known to some as Matthew, others know him as just the most stylish man on Radio Row. Yesterday, you set the bar high, Miguez, with the suit tie look. Today, no tie, but you got your you got a blazer. You 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 style. You got the hair done. The whole nine yards. I mean, uh, like like I said yesterday, you got to dress to impress. And so, day one of SEC Media Days, I had to you know set the bar high. And and get everybody looking, which it worked. And now today, I just, <laughs> I mean, I brought it again. What can I say? Brought it again. What do you call it? The, what do you say? The drip. The drip. Oh, the, the, the drip. The drip. I'm, oh. too, I'm too old to understand what that means. <laughs> the, the drip. Um, but, yes, of course, Miguez will be on later today. Uh, four to six back home, five to seven here, Eastern time. Got a great show lined up uh, for the folks. Uh, give them a little bit of a preview, brother. Tell them what they can expect, what's on tap for the second day of SEC Media Days from Crunch Time. going to recap Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly from yesterday one more time. And then, obviously, Nick Saban, Clark Lee from Vandy, Mississippi State, and South Carolina today bring you recaps of all of that. I have Jake Crane the host of the Daily Wire's Crane and Company. That's right. Joining me at 4.30 uh, live here on Radio Row. And then I have an interview with the historian of the College Football Hall of Fame. How many raging Cajun questions are you going to ask the historian of the College Football Hall of Fame? And are you going to have beef with them where the placement of the raging Cajun football helmet is on the wall of helmets? I think the placement's fine. There we go. All right. Just checking. Um, but I, but I, I do have a couple <laughs> UL questions up my sleeve. I do. Of course you do. Uh, I, w- I would expect nothing less. That's Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time. Make sure to tune in later today. Also, go to our Facebook page. We have a gallery up. It's been up for a while. A tremendous gallery of photos that Matt and I took and videos that we took yesterday during day one of SEC Media Days. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names was able to put that up on social media for us. So if you want to see some snapshots of behind the scenes and some of the action from Radio Row at SEC Media Days yesterday, go to our Facebook page, like the page, and also check out our gallery. You know what? We'll have another one up there today as well. So you can look forward to seeing that once again. Once again, big day, big time. Bama is in the building. Bama players are in the building. You know it's a big deal when you have gentlemen with handheld cameras that motion by themselves monitoring interviews. <laughs> so you and, and that's not even Alabama. <laughs> that's not even Alabama. I know. That's it, not even Alabama. It's day two. It's and day then, two. And then I'm looking in, in the lobby of the College Football Hall of Fame because from where we're set up, you can kind of see it a little bit. The amount of fans that are here. Oh, it's Bama Day. It's this, Bama Day. This is insane, man. I told, I told, I told you. I told you. There, uh, it just means more. It really, that, that, that phrase, it just means more, which has become the moniker of the uh, Southeastern Conference. It refers Conference. solely to Nick Saban. It, it refers solely to the, the Alabama faithful, the, 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 the Tide fanatics, for <laughs> sure. Make no bones about it. Uh, we have poll question of the day. 
and we asked you this morning if what do you care for more? Obviously, home run derby was last night. All-Star game is tonight. What do you care for more? What do you watch more? And I, Even though I used to watch both of them so much as a kid growing up as a diehard baseball fan, I feel like I pay attention to the derby more than I do watching the actual All-Star game. It's just kind of shifted that way. And right now, many of you agree with me. 76% of you say the Major League Baseball home run derby. 24% say the All-Star game. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update them through the final hour of today's RP3 and Company. Coming up, Lee Sterling from the Locked on Bets podcast is going to join us talking about the upcoming season for the SEC. This is RP3 and Company broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days here in Atlanta. And you're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. SEC, SEC, SEC. Welcome to Atlanta where the play is played and we ride on them things like every day. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. Hour number three has arrived here as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row for SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. Two hours in the books. They've been good. They've been borderline great, but it's a time to take it to another level. Met this young man. That's right, I said young man yesterday here at Media Days and had to have him on the show. He's had nearly three decades worth of experience covering college athletics. He is a professional sports analyst. He's also the co-host of the Locked on Bets podcast, courtesy of the Locked on Network. And he also writes a weekly column for AL.com. It's my privilege to welcome to RP3 and Company, Lee Sterling. Lee, good morning. Great. Um, I just want how did you get the nickname RP3? It would have. I'm Raymond Anton Parts the third. Okay. So the, third. The, the, the name fits it. I'm, I'm actually the third. And it was around the same time when RG3 and, mm. and Chris Paul was known as CP3. So a friend of mine just said, hey, RP3. And it was just one of those things that stuck. Better nickname <laughs> than I have. I mean, my girls call me Gluten-Free Lee because I, I have celiac. So uh, <laughs> um, I love it. So uh, got to have fun with it. I mentioned this earlier, and I told the other guy that came with us to do his show in the afternoons. I says, it's an overwhelming experience, media days, but when it's Alabama Day, mm-hmm. it's a different vibe in the building. And even though we don't have the fans that walk Radio Row these days like we used to, you could feel it in the building. Like there's always electricity when the Crimson Tide guys come and invade Radio Row, and it's time for Alabama to take the stage. Oh, as soon as I got in the elevator about 40 minutes ago, I mean, the elevator was packed. So um, I love it. That's what it's all about. You know, everyone's looking for just maybe one or two choice uh, nugget quotes from uh, from Nick. And if he gives them to you, the place is, is going to be hopping. So that's what it's all about. It's the fun. It's the competition. Um, 
You know, it, it's good when you have someone to shoot for, like Alabama. Right. But Georgia, you know, <laughs> with what they did last year, they could keep it going. So uh, when you got some top dogs, that's fun. But I think the 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 average team in the SEC is so much better than what it was four or five years ago. And a couple of teams we're going to talk about in a year or two could be, you know, knocking on that door. I mean, whoever thought that Jimbo Fisher was going to, you know, get these top five recruiting classes. Uh, we might have, you know, maybe I'm from Miami, so outside, I'm hoping outside of Miami we could have, like, the top five classes next couple of years. It could be Alabama, LSU, uh, Miami, Georgia, and another SEC team. Let's start with the two big powerhouses that played for the national championship right. last season, Alabama, Georgia, both lost some players to the draft, but Alabama brings back their Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. They also bring back, in my opinion, the best player in college football, who is Tim Anderson. Right. They bring back, it feels like, a lot more than Georgia does. How do you like it as it stands right now for the Crimson Tide and the Bulldogs entering this uh, coming season? And Georgia, to their credit, they kind of have a schedule that's a little bit favorable, too. They do. I mean, very favorable schedule. They'll be favored in every single game. I look at things, I'm a former college quarterback, maybe from a different perspective than the average person. If you're looking for the Phil Steele, you know, prediction every year that this team's going to win, they're going to win every game. Uh, I see some ro- maybe a couple situations where Alabama could have some really tough games. The reason and the way I handicap games, the most important player obviously is the quarterback. The next two most important players, in my opinion, are defensive tackles. Now, why do you say that? Well, if you stop the run, if you've got two real good defensive tackles, someone like Georgia, they were able to get by with a pedestrian quarterback, in my opinion, last year. Those two defensive tackles, they stuff the run, can't run. Correct. And then those two guys apply pressure on the quarterback and allows for the defensive ends to get pressure because you got to single block those guys because you're so worried about the two interior guys. Look at the best teams when they win on a consistent basis. They have at least two of those three almost every single year. And when you have Bryce Young and you have also guys at each level that can make plays, and when you have Will Anderson – and, and I don't rate linebackers, you know, on how many tackles they have. I'm, I'm interested when there's a third and five play. Does that linebacker, when he's one-on-one with a running back catching the ball in the backfield, does he make the tackle before the sticks? And when you have a guy, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and a defensive back that can all do that at all three levels, you're usually going to be very good. So Alabama, I mean, maybe at Texas they could have trouble. Maybe at Tennessee. Uh LSU always seems to give them trouble every third, fourth year uh, in games, and maybe even at Ole Miss because uh, what you're going to see is Lane Kiffin's going to play to win. Some coaches play to stay in the game. When he takes a chance to try a fake punt, he, he's not doing it to, to cover the spread. He wants to do it because he wants to win. So I thought last year, Lee, to your point, I thought last year Lane – I thought was going to be the one that was going to be the former assistant to beat Saban first, and it ended right. up being Jimbo. But Lane's not afraid, right? right. And not at that's all. the type of coach that you have to be kind of wary of. So uh, Alabama maybe has some roadblocks. What about yep. the Bulldogs? Their schedule just looks easier. I think Alabama's the better team, but I mean, outside of Oregon, and the problem here with Oregon is, well, they're going to be familiar with they have the defensive coordinator, so he's going to know the personnel. 
outside of that. And then, of course, you're talking about the Chick-fil-A, one of the Chick-fil-A yeah. kickoff games. We have two of them this year. One of them is Oregon right. versus Georgia. Yeah, so uh, outside of that, I mean, what are their road games? At South Carolina, at Missouri, uh, Florida and Jacksonville, maybe, you know, if, if the Florida quarterback just goes wild and at Mississippi State and at Kentucky, maybe at Kentucky, you know, could be the toughest game, believe it or not. So, Georgia-Bama, it feels like they're yeah. on a collision course for an SEC championship game. Let's talk about the, the some of the teams that have big question marks, and one of them is LSU. That's the team that we carry yeah. here on the game. I, I'm high on Brian Kelly because I look at a guy who coached his tail off at Cincinnati, was able to recruit and win there. Yeah. And he goes to Notre Dame with all the academic restrictions and how difficult it is, was able to recruit and, and coach. Also, and also, Notre Dame had lost its luster. Correct. Since Nick's, since uh, Lou Holtz, what did, what had Notre Dame done? Nothing. Besides, besides, get thumped by LSU in the Sugar Bowl, right? When so. they had Brady Quinn as a as a uh, a Heisman contender that year, and he, I, I think he is going to do a nice job. But there's still huge question marks surrounding LSU. What about the offensive line? Has yep. he been able to fix that? Because it's been a mess the last two years. Who's going to be playing quarterback? They have four of them. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be a three-man race. I think Walker Howard, they're going to wait, redshirt him, and let him develop into a future multi-year starting quarterback for them. But w- when you look at LSU and you, you see what he's had to do through the transfer portal, what do you make of uh, LSU? Is it still a big question mark for you? Yeah, I think they'll be competitive, but let's look at the total. It's seven plus 115. Where is eight wins? I mean, there's a chance that they could, believe it or not, be two and two. After four games, it mm. could happen. Not likely, but I think more likely three and one. Mississippi State returns almost everyone, and they have a returning quarterback. And it's year three of Leach. Right. There. Right. So, um, what, what are you trying to mean? They're going to be as nutty as he is, most of the players? <laughs> I expect the offense to <laughs> yeah. be finally, because usually what year three, the offense yeah. takes an uptick yeah. uh, in, in, the, in his air raid system. But, you know, yeah. overall, you're, you're looking at a team, you believe LSU will be more competitive, but you, you see them, what, optimistically, what, we're looking at eight wins? I think we're looking at probably six, six. believe it or not. Yeah. I, I think in the year two, he could jump to eight or nine. Okay. Uh, I, I, I love him as a coach. I think he has a system. I think he knows how to recruit. Uh, he gets quality kids. But I'm not in love with Jaden Daniels. I, I, I just didn't like him at Arizona State. I stay up and watch every college game. And the average person is not going to watch these you know, Pac-12 games. He's inconsistent. So if he starts... He might have a great game, a great half, and then the next game, you don't see anything close to that. So, you know, maybe with more talent he does better. But when you're expecting two, you know, transfers to come in and start one from FIU, I, I, and then in the defensive secondary, they might, they're might they looking for two or three guys to, to transfer to come in and start two. They're, they're, yeah, they're immensely depleted on, yeah. the, on, the, on the back end. Offensive line quarterback play and uh, the back end for LSU is going to be concerned. We're talking with uh, Lee Sterling from the Locked On Bets podcast. He's the co-host of that. He's also a columnist for uh, AL.com. Let's stay in the SEC West. We mentioned the lane train. I feel like that's the biggest threat in the SEC West Alabama, more so than A&M. I I don't know why I feel that way, Lee. I I, I don't know. It just feels like lane... Lane has the moxie. Lane understands Saban probably better than anybody else in the conference not named Kirby Smart. And it just feels like he's building something there in Oxford. I think he's building something, but I think it's going to be Texas A&M. Here's why. Uh, If you watched Jackson Dart in the spring game, he was awful. I know. Terrible. Um, 
I think there might be a chance that, that Luke Altmaier might end up starting. And if that's the oh, case, really? yeah, I would not be surprised if he starts. Now, Dart has the higher ceiling, so yeah. he might start him just because they're playing Troy, Central Arkansas, and Georgia Tech, and even Tulsa before he plays Kentucky. But um, I think they're going to have a great running game. <laughs> so you don't think of – I mean, with Zach Evans, if you watched him, TCU, he is incredible. And then their backup, Ulysses Bentley from, from SMU, he could start for almost anything. They might have the best running backs in the country, best one-two punch, believe it or not. So In Lane's, ta- in Lane's time at Alabama, even though he frustrated some of the fans with – or in particular, frustrated Derrick Henry for not running right. the football against right. Ole Miss of, of all teams. <laughs> ironically, uh, he does understand the value of the running game and the power running game. So, um, so let, let's stay there. You kind of took me. You know, all the hype, all the headlines has been surrounding Texas A&M ever since yep. Jimbo got there. They have yet to win the division. They have yet to make the playoff, even though they came close a few years ago. Do you believe this is the year that Jimbo can have A&M breakthrough? No, I think it's going to be next year. They their defensive line. By the end of the year, next year could be really good. You know, they could end up starting three freshmen and a sophomore, which wow. is crazy. I mean, I think got like three or four five-star defensive linemen. So they're a team I'm going to watch, and if you see them progressively getting better, they could be scary by the end of the season. Uh, Max Johnson and Haynes King are both really good. I expect they're going to start Haynes King. I think some people like Johnson, but I think Kane's King's going to be good. But either guy, their biggest problem is their receivers don't hold on to the ball sometimes. Yeah. But, but that offensive line is huge. Uh, I think they do a really good job of run blocking. If, you know, their receivers come through, I think they're going to be scary. So you look at their schedule, you know, if they beat Miami and Arkansas, uh, setting up a huge game at Alabama, I think Alabama will be right, waiting for him this year. Oh, why? I wonder why that is. <laughs> but <laughs> I think next year, I think Texas A&M, believe it or not, could be the favorite to win the whole thing. Let's stay in the SEC West. I want to talk about Arkansas because you just mentioned yeah. them. Uh, Sam Pittman has done a phenomenal job up there, and I think he's brought stability. I think he's changed the culture. I think there's a level of accountability, and they play hard for him, which which does matter at this level. My question to you is, do they have enough dynamic playmakers on offense I don't think to so. take the next step? I don't think so. They were great as an underdog. Yes. And he had them prepared. But in games where they were the favorite or people had figured them out, Jefferson is really good. But when you lose those top two receivers, he had a lot of plays where you know, he was scrambling and buying time and his receivers worked free hit on some big, big plays. So I think they're going to be good, but they were 9-4 and four last year. Regular season, the 12 games, I could see them going 7-5. and five. So Wow. Yeah. I because mean, over-under. And, 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 and you're looking at a team 9-4. and four, They set the total at 7.5. Well, usually these lines makers are pretty sharp. And trust me, they're begging you to play the over. So I'm going to predict they go 7-5. and five. I think... I'll probably be on Sam Pittman when he's an underdog, when he's a favorite. I think uh, I think he's going to continue to have problems. Let's touch on one more team before we yep. have to take uh, a timeout, and then we'll continue on with SEC East discussion after the timeout. Mississippi State, uh, they've underperformed. I know a lot of fans were really happy when the Mad Pirate came to Stark <laughs> Vegas, uh, but it usually takes time. It took time yep. at Texas Tech. It took time at Washington State. Usually year three is the year, right? That's the year where 
things start to propel, in particular the offense, what are your expectations for the Bulldogs in year three of Mike Leach era? Will Rogers is really good. He may be yeah. the most underrated quarterback in college football. Not a big kid, 6'2", 210. Um, he takes some, some vicious hits, and, and he keeps getting up, and he understands the system. If he had Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State-type receivers at that level, um, he might throw 50 touchdowns in a season. Wow. He doesn't have anyone who is incredible at, at wide receiver. But he's going to move the chains. He's going to get first downs and not make mistakes. So, you know, you look at his stats last year, 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, The average person wouldn't even realize that. And they do have nine starters returning on defense. And they also had one of the kids, Jordan Davis, was out for the year last year um, with an ACL injury. If he comes back and he is uh, a pass rush threat along with Tyrus Wheat, these this team could be very good. It's at six and a half the total. I love the over here. Um, they could end up. They could start the season four and zero and run through Memphis, Arizona. Believe it or not, pull off the shocker at LSU and beat Bowling Green and set up a big game when they host Texas A and M. I could see them. They feel like a team, Lee, that is is maybe is not going to compete for the division championship, but they're going to be a team that's going to upset somebody else's chances, right? right? They're going to pull off one of those upsets that's going to kind of shake things up. We're talking with Locked On Bets podcast co-host Lee Sterling. He joins us here live on Radio Row. We've got to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus from the SEC West to the SEC East. You're listening to RP3 and Company. Live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Of course, our coverage is brought to you by Bordelon Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. They are your lift chair superstore and your local Tempur-Pedic dealer, as well as Acadiana Bar and Grill. More from Atlanta coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Portalon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues, fellas. Pay attention. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouthwatering steaks cooked exactly the way you want them. I prefer mine medium rare, so if you ever need to buy me a steak, you know what to do. Or... <laughs> You can get yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, Fresh Gulf Seafood, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All those gift certificates to local restaurants are available in our clubhouse as well. Once you become a member, you can score Astros tickets, concert tickets, station swag, and more. But you can only win it by becoming a member of the game clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Once again, join us. On Radio Row for RP3 and Company is Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's also co-host of the Locked On Bets podcast. We talked SEC West and, of course, a little Georgia before the timeout. 
Lee, let's now switch our focus to the SEC East solely. I want to talk about Billy Napier. We know him fairly well because he covered and coached the Raging Cajuns, took a program that had been mired in some off-the-field issues, changed the culture, and built it into an absolute winner, finally winning an outright conference championship in his last season, took them to unprecedented heights, best four-year stretch in program history. He's now going to try to take that same approach to Gainesville. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. Gators are a little bit of a kind of a mess. They're going to need to give them some time, I feel, Gator fans, whether or not they'll do so is another discussion. What do you think we can expect to see out of Billy Napier in year one with the Gators? So he should almost have an armed guard walk with Anthony Richardson to class because (laughs) if Anthony Richardson goes down, they could win four games. If he has a great year, they could win nine games. So he is that important. He's that dynamic. And I I think that when you watch him, you see the green light come on with him. I think his his passing is going to be much better. He was so inaccurate last year. But uh, I think he, maybe like Josh Allen, I mean, he is going to be one of these weapons running and throwing the football. And by himself, he might be able to beat Utah. Are they more talented than Utah? Absolutely not. But I love what Billy Napier is doing as far as putting together an organization, starting to recruit. They do need, they have not figured out NIL. If they can figure out NIL, I mean, they're just, it's going around and around. Um, no one's taking the ball by the horns there and setting it up even close to Miami. Miami's beating them to the punch right now. And if they want to recruit South Florida, uh, they're going to have to figure that out. But uh, if they figure that out, this is going to be a scary good team in two years. So uh, in the meantime, Anthony Richards <laughs> needs to stay healthy, and he could have some games. Like I said, he throws for 300 and rushes for 150 yards. He's that dynamic, but they got to keep him healthy. That's huge for them. Let me ask you a follow-up on that. What's you know Obviously, keeping the quarterback healthy is paramount, but what's the, the other thing – for Billy in year one to establish. I mean, I feel like it's probably the culture because his first year with the Cajuns, they they were a 500 ball club. They made a bowl game. They won their their division, but they started to turn it around towards the tail end. When you look at their schedule, is is the opportunity there for Florida to to finish strong and start building some momentum for next year? Absolutely. Uh, Dan Mullins just lost the team. I mean, I I was shocked. You know, I have to, I love people say, oh yeah, I saw it coming. If someone saw that coming, <laughs> I don't know one person that called it. So it seemed, it, it seemed to be the dream job Taylor made yeah. for him. He's the quarterback guru. He's going back to Florida, everything like that. And he just lost the team, lost the administration, lost yep. the fans in, in quick fashion. It just happened. He, he didn't even recruit. He wasn't recruiting hard. How do you either. not recruit at the SEC? Uh, I don't Florida, understand that. Florida, Florida, Florida recruits itself. So. Um, he's like, he's like, ah, I don't want to And with I, I what's going on with Florida State the last couple of years in Miami, he should have had a free pass, but not the case. But I think Billy's going to turn it around. Um, uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be a great year, but I think he's going to build a foundation, foundation here. And if things go right, they can win eight, nine games. I just love his organization, mm-hmm. and he allows his coach to coach. You, we talked about Georgia. We talk about Florida. Let's talk about a team that – is coming off a tremendous season, uh, and that's the Kentucky Wildcats. Mark Stoops has done a phenomenal job there. And I made a joke with someone the other day. He's done a phenomenal job without really having a quarterback. 
right? I mean, he, I know he's a defensive-minded right. guy. He was the D.C. for his brother at Oklahoma. And, and he's established a culture there, and they play great fundamental sound football. Uh, but they do so without a dynamic, you know, or, or consistent guy at quarterback. Do you think they found that guy, and do you think he's going to take that next step this year? Oh, they found the guy. Will is, is really good. And here's what's crazy. You look at numbers. Sometimes you'll see a team the year before. You'll see you're saying to yourself, the year before, for last year, they, they only put up 21 points per game. And they were plus, get this, plus 10 in turnover ratio. Oh. And, they, and they were 5 and 6. Last year, they put up 32 points per game. And they could put up 34, 35 this year. But they were minus 11 turnover ratio. The key to this team, believe it or not, might be Christopher Rodriguez. Christopher, really? He fumbled left and right last year. He did. If he holds on to the ball, you know, just like anything else, it's, you know, in baseball, you, you, you walk by, that guy's got a 50% chance of scoring. Right. If you turn the ball over more than your opponent, um, you're going to lose a lot of games. It's incredible. They were 10-3 and three with minus 11 turnover ratio. Uh, they had 29 sacks. I think their defensive line is going to be really good this year. They could have 35, 40 sacks. Um, I, I think they can equal that record of 10-3 and three last year. A lot of buzz building in, on Rocky Top. Yep. Josh Heupel, a good first season, especially where that program has been ever since they fired Philip Fulmer. Uh, which has been a long time ago. We can have a discussion on another day about firing national championship winning coaches because you want to go in a trendy direction, see Michigan, see Tennessee, see Nebraska. That didn't work out for many of those uh, programs for a long time after doing so. Uh, what about the volunteers? Could we see them? A lot of buzz about their quarterback, too, possibly being the second best one in the SEC. What do you think of the balls? He could be, and he's the right quarterback for the system. But just like anything else, after – Teams have seen a system put in place. Got the tape on them. Got tape on them. And they run that, that double, two wide, wide receiver set. And they caught some teams that just did not see it coming. Didn't have enough film on them. And th- trust me, every team that plays them will be watching a lot of tape in the offseason. You're not going to see the breaks in coverage near as many as happened last year. So I think Hendon Hooker is a perfect quarterback for the system think they've got some good receivers. Not great, but good receivers. Uh, I think they'll score a lot. They scored 39 points a game last year. They'll be in the mid to upper 30s again. But I think that uh, people will be ready for them, and it'll be a little bit tougher. They just won't have that surprise aspect. They'll be a good team, but, uh, you know, they went 7-6 and six last year. They might go. That was, you know, counting the bowl game that they lost. But uh, I could see them going – you know, eight and four, and people aren't that excited about it. <laughs> One more with yep. Lee Sterling here. Let's talk South Carolina, Mizzou, Vandy. Yep. Uh, God bless Vandy. Um, there, there's no other way. You to might say be it. saying God bless Missouri yeah, by the end of the year. I, I, I want to go there because I, I think Shane Beamer may have South Carolina headed in the right direction. It's a tough place to coach. Lou Holtz struggled to win there. Will Muschamp struggled. A lot of really good... Steve Spurrier had a great run, and then even he at the end, it started to be a struggle. It's a tough It's a tough place to play. Tough place to win. Missouri's had success right off the bat when they joined the SEC. 
it's been a struggle since. And Drinkowitz, who I remember covering when he was at App State for a cup of coffee, which he used to get the job at Mizzou, uh, of those three teams, who has the highest expectations in uh, of the three? Is Drinkowitz the guy that's maybe on the hot seat? Oh, I think he's on the hot seat. He doesn't have a quarterback. Against good teams, they're going to have trouble throwing the ball more than 15 yards downfield. Oh. So his receivers are great. I mean, you watch, go watch the spring game and watch Luther Burden. He might be the best receiver in the conference as a true freshman. He is that good, that dynamic. So some, if you watch some of the great receivers in the NFL, he has a lot of those qualities. Right. He, he can get open. He has the burst, the separation. And once he, once he catches the ball, he's dynamic. They even have a kid named Mookie Cooper, a transfer from Ohio State, who's very good. So against bad teams, they might have put up 45, 55 points a game against Louisiana Tech. Might score 70 against Abilene Christian. But when they face teams that are disciplined and have talent on defense, like Auburn, uh, Georgia, and Florida, man, they may not score two touchdowns. So I think they're on the hot seat. Their, their run defense is awful. It's still bad. I mean, so n- no quarterback play and their run defense is poor. So that's not a recipe for success no, in the SEC. No, right? I think he's going to get fired. <laughs> I love South Carolina. I love what Shane Beamer's building. Reason Steve Spurrier failed was he couldn't recruit, didn't put the effort in. Shane Beamer's doing it. He's getting transfers uh, to, with the rest of the other teams, the Troys and the uh, the Texas States and and the Rices out there down down to the Sun Belt and Conference yep. USA for Vandy Lee. Appreciate you, Tom, man. This was tremendous. Can't wait to have you on throughout the season. That's Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's also the co-host of the Locked On Bets podcast, and he also contributes a weekly column to AL.com. Joining us here on Radio Row for SEC Media Days, live from the College Football Hall of Fame. we got to take a timeout. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin and Drinkowitz. They took to the podium yesterday. We'll play that for you and recap it. That's all coming up next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big, bald, beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Look, football season is going to be here in no time, and you want to entertain in style, don't you? You want to have the fellas over. You want to have the family over, your brother-in-law, your cousins, and have a great time watching all the games. Why not do it in style? you got to go see my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for bathrooms and kitchens, though. They can also take your outdoor living spaces to another level and your man caves. That way, your home can be the envy of the neighborhood during game days. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Their live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business and trust me, earn it they will. 
Welcome back to RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Great conversation there with Lee Sterling. Going to have to have him back on the program in the fall, breaking down matchups both national and SEC for college football. That's going to be tremendous there. And I like what he had to say about a few things. He expects Arkansas to maybe take a step down, that maybe they overachieved a little bit. He expects Ole Miss to have some tough games as well, and he expects Florida and Billy Napier, depending on if they can keep their quarterback healthy, they could be a game changer. They could definitely maybe win up to nine games this year. So great stuff there from Lee Sterling. Of course, all of our coverage here on RP3 and Company, all four days from SEC Media Days, is brought to you by Bordelon Furniture. They are our title sponsor. They have locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. And look, you already know that this month they have the Power Recliner on sale for $6.99. So if you want to add to that man cave, and be able to watch games in comfort and in style, you need to go scoop up one of the recliners that they're going to have on sale for $6.99 all month long. They're also your Lift Air Superstore and your local Temper Perdick dealer. So go check out Bordelon Furniture, our title sponsor, as well as our friends over at Kadiana Bar and Grill. They're sponsoring RP3 and Company, one of the best places to go hang out and enjoy a night on the town in Acadiana. Poll question of the day. Let's update that while we have a few minutes here on RP3 and Company. We asked you, what do you enjoy watching more? The Major League Baseball Home Run Derby, which Juan Soto won last night, becoming the second youngest player ever to win so. One day older than Juan Gonzalez back in the day for the Texas Rangers. 74% of you say you enjoy the Derby more than actually watching the Major League Baseball All-Star game. Let's get to some comments here. Steve, our guy Steve, says, The game lacks pride, content, and desire on the part of current players. Watching the All-Star game reminds me oh, of Martin's input on the show. Why are we fighting? Yeah, this, is, this is a place. This is a safe place. This is a place of love. And yet we got Steve and Martin going back and forth. <laughs> it's like, please put me out of my misery because it's becoming increasingly painful. Hashtag home run derby. Robert Duplachan on Twitter says, the derby was awesome. Pujols was great. J-Rod was amazing. I really thought he was going to win. The kid hit 81 home runs. 81 home runs and lost. He finished his runner-up. Absolutely ridiculous. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What do you prefer, the derby or the actual all-star game? Now, Nick Saban has already taken the podium and spoken to kick off day two here of SEC Media Days. And we'll recap what uh, the GOAT had to say on tomorrow's edition of RP3 and Company. But I want to go back to yesterday while we have a few minutes here and talk about what the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss head coach, and Eli Drinkowitz, the Missouri head coach, had to say when they had their turns up on the podium yesterday here in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. And I want to start with Lane first because, look, he is great with the media. He gives us so much content. He's great on social media. He really kind of does it all, right? And he gives us so much content, and he's so great about it. And he had some interesting things to say yesterday, and... 
he covered so much, and also wearing his lane train socks, which were uh, absolutely amazing. But he spoke on a slew of different topics, made a good joke about, you know, getting up there for media days and having to talk about Saban and making a joke about, you know, from Kirby Smart and everything like that. But I want to touch on what he had to say about the NIL. This is what Lane Kiffin had to say about the state of college football in NIL. I'm not saying unfair because the rules are what they are. And so I just said it in there. People have different salary caps. And I imagine what you're seeing in recruiting, you know, those that follow it is, you know, players go to where the most money is. So it is what it is. And until it's changed, people that don't have those payrolls got to find their way around it. feel that way in lane just sat up there and I, I watched it live when he took the stage yesterday and he was just very you hear it in his voice it's very matter of fact there, there there's no trying to him and haul about it or anything like that he just was very direct about it and said look it's going to come down to money it's going to come down to whoever has the most funds is going to be able to get the job done that's it and that's the world we live in now, you know, a lot of us media folks and a lot of fans enjoy going to Oxford to watch a game, but that's also a, traditionally a, a tough place to be able to get kids to come to, to commit to, to play football, even though it's a great atmosphere on game days. And he touched on NIL, touching on a lot of other things, and he also said, look, he feels like we're going to look back in, say, five years or so, and we're going to look back at what's going on with the NCAA transfer portal and with NIL. And, and we're going to believe as a group, as media, as coaches, as people involved with college football, we're going to believe that college football as a sport is going to be better off. I think that just depends on your view of things and what you consider better. I don't think it will be because, you know, maybe I'm not a traditionalist in a lot of areas because you have to evolve and how you're, run programs and change on offense but um, I think for rivalries to be broken up and um, you know people that have been in conferences so long like you know these four you know major teams have to move like they are uh, you know really I don't know I mean obviously it's about money and you know if it wasn't about money they wouldn't be doing it so I don't think it's I don't think it's really good um, for the history of college football. I don't think we'll look back and say, wow, that was awesome. So, yeah, sorry, I misspoke there. Uh, Lane came out against that. He doesn't think we're going to look back. Some people do, and that's been a talking point here at Media Day. Some people say, hey, you know what, we're going to embrace it. This is going to be better for the sport and everything like that. And surprisingly, Lane, who sometimes go against, goes against the grain, is, is, sounds more like a traditionalist here than anything else, which I found extremely interesting. We also live in an era of not only NIL, but also the NCAA transfer portal, and Lane spoke about that as well yesterday. I think not only is here to stay until rules are changed, you're going to see more of it. So that wasn't just a novelty to go into the portal. You know, now you have, with NIL, which you're seeing, which could have been easy to predict if you knew what was going to happen. Okay, now you have the portal at the same time as the NIL. So now, usually the portal was, I'm not happy because I'm not playing 
so I'm going to leave. Now you have, I'm not happy, I'm not playing like I want, I want to leave. Now you have, I'm a whole group that's going to be, I'm playing really well, I want to go make more money. So to me, you're going to see more people in the portal, and that's already started to happen. So Lane Kiffin had plenty to say yesterday, and plenty of it was really good. I mean, I think of the first day, he was probably the star of the show. He had poignant answers. He had good takes. And look, the SEC needs Lane Kiffin. I'm just going to be perfectly frank. They need some guy that's going to sometimes ruffle feathers, but also be brutally honest. They need that. It's good for the conference to have that. We've got to take a timeout. Our final one of the day. We'll wrap up today's show live from Radio Row here on RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 20th, 1986. Greg Norman wins his first major at the Open Championship with an even par score five strokes clear of Gordon J. Brand. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we wrap up today's show. Only got a few more minutes here as we broadcast live on Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Great show today. Appreciate everyone for making the time. Want to take a moment to thank our guest, Peter Burns from the SEC Network, Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Football Report, and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports and the Locked on Bets podcast. Great show. Appreciate their time. Lined up for you tomorrow. Obviously, tomorrow we'll recap all the action today. That's Nick Saban, Alabama. That's Mike Leach in Mississippi State and more. But we'll also have an interview that we taped with Jack Besh. That's right, former STM Cougar and current LSU star wide receiver. We'll have that for you tomorrow. We'll be talking with Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football tomorrow. We'll be talking to Peach Bowl CEO Gary Stoken about the college kickoff and everything tomorrow. And Chrissy Freud is scheduled to join us, SI Bulldogs reporter, and so much more. So you got to make sure to stay tuned. Tune in for that tomorrow, 6 to 9, as we'll be broadcasting once again live from SEC Media Days. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. It's about Major League Baseball. It's about the Derby and so much more. What do you enjoy watching more? As a kid, I would love to watch both the All-Star Game and the Derby. Heck, I would want to watch all of All-Star Weekend. But as I've gotten older, it just seems to be just the Derby. Do you share that with yours truly? And yes, you do. 74% of you chimed in, said that you prefer, enjoy watching the Home Run Derby more than just the All-Star Game. Only 26% say the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Appreciate all who voted on the poll question of the day. Appreciate all who commented on the poll question of the day as well. Thank you for all of you. And, hey, 
Once again, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors, Acadiana Bar and Grill, one of the best night life spots in Acadiana. They're sponsoring all four days of us here in Atlanta. Also want to take a moment to thank Bordelon Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. You know they have the power recliner on sale for $6.99 all this month. They're also your lift chair superstore and your local Tempur-Pedic dealer. So go check out my friends over at Bordelon Furniture. That's going to do it for this edition of RP3 and Company. Once again, we'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. Make sure to tune in to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh later today, 4 to 6. He's got a great show lined up for you as well. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Until tomorrow, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.